added function of the tight end class being relatively weak. Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think in a normal class, he, he probably wouldn't be that high, but he's a one of a kind player. Um, I'll pass her on over. Oh, we are live. Oh, okay. Are we back? Okay. Welcome back. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, Director of Published Content here at BroadwaySportsMedia.com. We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network. This is, of course, the Hot Read Podcast Part 2. Hopefully, those of you that are with us live in the comments could help us out by confirming that the bad echo from the first stream is gone and we sound normal, in which case we'd love to talk. Thank you, James. Would like to truck along with today's episode. I'm joined by two gentlemen once again, producer JT, as always, and James Foster. No flags film. I'm really trying to bide my time until somebody confirms that there is no bad echo. If anybody could go over to Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page, find this live stream, and in the comment section, tell us whether or not there is a bad echo. That would be incredibly helpful. Perfect. Thank you, Shane. First responder helping us out. Okay. So now I can tell you for sure that we're joined by James Foster of No Flags Film, of A to Z Film Room, draft expert. We're live here in Mobile, Alabama. And now that we've got the tech situation figured out, James, how are you? How have you been enjoying your senior bowl experience? Once again, I've uh, been enjoying about every part of it except for the until sport. the last 15 minutes or so. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know. It's nice to spend some quality time sitting on this couch. That is, that's a great company, man. I appreciate that. Um, we're talking about some of the best prospects in this year's draft class. And we were talking on the show yesterday about how this is kind of the time of year that I think most NFL fans start to acquaint themselves with these guys. You, of course, have been diving into these prospects for when do you start your process? Like, September? Are we already watching tape? Are we already putting together boards? Earlier and earlier every year, there's always like a panic kind of when uh whenever I start watching draft prospects where like I've I've been hearing a bunch of people um you know mentioning different prospects and there's so many guys that I want to watch. Right. And it's like there there's such limited time. This is as prepared as I've been heading into draft season. This is your third, fourth draft you covered now? uh covered yeah this is my third draft doing like a whole board watching you know like two to three hundred prospects and stuff right um i did a a couple years before that where i would watch kind of like the first round guys and then whoever the titans picked um but yeah third year managing a whole board and and writing scouting reports and all that fantastic well we before we dive into some of the top prospects here at the Senior Bowl in Mobile with us, and we're going to get James's expert opinion on some of those guys, I got to tell you a couple of housekeeping things. First of all, if you're joining us live, we appreciate you tuning back in to our second stream here. Do me a quick favor if you're watching on TikTok, on Twitter, on Instagram, on any of the social accounts, head over to Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. Find this live stream there and in the comment section. That is where we'd love for you to be a part of today's conversation like Kenneth and Joey and Shane already are. Appreciate you fellas being with us. And while you're there, hit subscribe. It is free to you and it's very helpful to us if you subscribe to the channel. So we appreciate you doing that. Zach feels bad for JT. JT, uh, I know before we dove into the actual prospects, you did tell me you had something that you needed to address at the beginning. Yeah. Hey, what's up, guys? Um, <laughs> this is how this house is going to go today. Uh, you know, there is there is a producer tag in my name, producer JT. So that's what we're going to do today. I appreciate your sympathy and we'll most likely see it after the show today saying uh, J- JT Erasure folks are, are are very happy today. This, the mic from 
it, then it would have been bad. Shit. Yeah, that probably would have been bad. But I agree with James on the sun. We are three rosy tomatoes here today. And it was really, we were talking to some guys um, earlier today, and it was like, we tried our best, right? Like we got sunscreen and like, it just does not matter. <laughs> like you can put on as much sunscreen. It's like, What's if day, like, yeah, for, for the, this is for the love of the game. And it's just kind of like what happens after that. I do want to say that this, like, like James said, this is a great time in, in draft season because you start to get acquainted with guys and you really find, understand who these guys are and who people are really. And sometimes um, when, when you find out, who these people are you find out some of their intricacies and and some things they do and sometimes you find out things about certain people and how they eat their tacos and i think that's what we need to start the show off here with um i think most people in the titans community last night were were pretty shocked to find out most people in the community was were shocked to find out that you love to eat tacos the absolute worst way and I just want to give you the floor to finally say your piece on this because I know in the past 24 hours, you really haven't been given a platform for, for your ability to eat tacos. So I just want to, yeah, to defend yourself. So, so here's the issue JT and James and our buddies, Zach and Stoney at dinner last night. um, We, I had tacos and I, I eat tacos underhanded. I didn't understand that this was an uncommon thing. Apparently, most folks, which I feel like is strong and we need a much larger sample size to actually know, but apparently most people hold, yes, we know we do. Some people hold their tacos underhand like I do, but most people hold their tacos over the top like this. And then you eat it, which feels weird to me to even, you're supposed to to hold it by the lips. No, you hold it under, you cradle the taco and you deliver it to your mouth. Hold it by the lips to keep the contents (laughs) in the tortilla. (laughs) You, you wrap around with your hands to keep the contents. And is the way that I approach taco eating. Needless to say, they made fun of me. There was a very, very unflattering photograph put on the internet that many, far too many people saw um, that was really casting me in the worst possible light. I feel like it was slanderous and unnecessary, but nonetheless um that's the that's okay all right okay so some comments going on that we're not going to read on the show anyways that's the situation on tacos and if you if anybody is out my, my final word on this is anybody out there is with me on underhanding tacos which our buddy nick sus from the tennessean today was saying is fine by the way so there are some of there are twos of us at least i think that there are more there may be dozens of us out there please let me know write me a letter send me a, a carrier pigeon whatever however you can communicate and let me know that uh you are with me so that i can prove that it's not that weird okay got that out of the way that was clearly the most important thing that we're talking about today um some prospects that we've noticed here at the at the senior bowl that we wanted to talk to you james about um let's start with some of the receivers because that's a position that the titans are in desperate need of and it is a position that there's some pretty significant talent here not uh, any of the really top flight guys in this class but a number of names from that second and third and fourth tier and a guy that we spoke about yesterday a good bit having had a pretty disappointing first outing at practice uh, made a, a pretty nice uh, acquittal of himself today i felt in xavier leggett or leggett excuse me from south carolina uh, a wide receiver who has been comped by some to aj brown in the way that he moves we love apparently to throw aj brown comps at every receiver that's even remotely reminiscent of him in the titans community it seems but he is a guy that um, is big is physical is fast what did you think about 
his practice today and just in general as a prospect, what do you think about Leggett as a receiver? Yeah, I thought he had a uh, a really good bounce back performance today. I think what he showed in this practice is probably his best trait to me, which is the violence uh, that he ex- with with which he explodes out of his breaks. Uh, I think at his size, with his straight line speed, contested catchability, what kind of ties him together as a prospect is going to be his ability to create separation. And I was pleasantly surprised by that on his tape. Um, I thought yesterday, you know, everyone seems to have an agenda on Xavier Leggett, which like, I feel why is that? I feel like I'm kind of a Leggett centrist. You know, (laughs) I mean, I, I, (laughs) I think that, um, there, there are some limitations just in terms of fluidity and like smooth movement skills, but he's not, he's not one of these, you know, someone that I would like, I think he's better than, um, Keon Coleman, for example, a a better prospect. Yeah. Um, I think he can create separation. My biggest issue with him is probably releases off the line of scrimmage. Um, that's just, you know, just from his tape, but yeah, I mean, he, he was definitely hurt yesterday, uh, in practice one by a lot of inaccurate throws. Um, and I think that for the people that kind of just tally how many catches someone had in a senior bowl practice, uh, you know, he was disappointing from that standpoint. And then he had some drops, wasn't able to come down with some difficult, uh, catches yesterday, Um, but he made a really nice acrobatic catch on a, on like a deep out corner type of route, uh, today. And I think watch, I I haven't watched the team practice tape yet. I just watched all of the one-on-ones. I think he had three one-on-ones and, uh, one, all of all three of them pretty decisively uh, in today's practice. Uh, It's to your point there. It's so weird that he had a worse day with better QB play and then a, a, better day today with worse QB play. It was super interesting to see that like yesterday. um, I mean, in that group, it's really tough anyways, but like today the QB play was pretty just across the board. Wasn't the best and he was able to make the most of it. So I'm with you on that one. I think the biggest thing, like you were saying, it seems like it's so interesting that you say everybody has an agenda on Xavier Leggett. And that's so true because I feel like it truly is that guy who was going to be there in the second round and with so many people comping him to, to like an AJ Brown, it feels almost like you have to have an agenda on him. But I, I, I echo everything you said to him uh, about him today. The, the biggest thing with him is just that, that explosiveness off the line. But like when he gets his separation, he is one of the best uh, players out there, especially within with contested catches and whatnot. I think he, this past season, I think he was around 50% on con- contested catches, which, um, and he was getting a lot of them when you have Spencer Rattler throwing you the ball. So I think there's a lot to like about his game, but I do question how much of the upside and how much truly he can look like that, that wide receiver one in, in that, that game defining player. Tez Walker is the next guy who had a, a pretty nice bounce back day. I felt like, um, you thought, 
<laughs> you thought he had a bounce back day. I didn't think he had a very good first practice. Do you think he also had a bad second practice as well? I mean, I, I felt yeah. like I, okay. So I thought he was one of the worst players. Out well, there. here's the difference for me. And you probably paid better attention to him than I did. Um, Cause I tried to watch as much of the D line or offensive line and D line as I could today. So I, I briefly spent time with the wide receivers. The difference was I actually saw him make up any play. Whereas yesterday I literally didn't see him make a play at all. Maybe he didn't have a good day regardless. He's a guy that's pretty high on most draft boards. He, he's somebody that's regarded as a pretty nice prospect. So not on mine. Okay, so tell me about that. Why? Why is he not somebody that you think is going to necessarily be a great prospect at the next level? Uh, so Devontae's Walker, wide receiver out of UNC, right. uh, elite straight line speed. He's got good length, long strider. I think he measured in around uh, six foot one with uh, pretty good arm length. Outside of that. I have a difficult time really finding uh, redeeming qualities with Tez Walker. Um, I had uh, Mike Renner on my channel a, a couple days ago, and he was talking about how for a deep threat who's going to win on the vertical plane, the number one most important trait um, for them to have outside of obviously straight line speed, being able to run past defensive backs is being able to sit down, sink your hips, stop on curl routes. And mm. he cannot do that. Like um, I, I think I posted on Twitter, a rep uh, him versus cam Hart, where it looks like Cam Hart ran the route for him, but it's just because the route was so slow to develop. It's it's a it's a struggle. It's a labored process for him to uh, sit down on on any kind of stop route or comeback. And what happens if you can't sink your hips and stop is that DBs are just going to play over the top of you, give you a ton of cushion. Right. Um. You know, every cornerback in the NFL is is going to be fast you know faster than most of the corners he faced in the acc mm. so like they can recover uh they can turn their hips and recover if if they're giving him some cushion so you know that's one issue um didn't run a very diverse route tree at unc but i thought in breaking routes uh just quickness and explosiveness out of his breaks was pretty average um had a lot of focus drops especially down the stretch at unc and that showed up uh, in both senior bowl practices. I I try to keep a drop tally when I'm watching the practices. I counted four from Tez Walker today, just watching it live. Uh, there there could have been more, but you know you get the focus drops, inconsistent contested catch skills, and doesn't give you really anything after the catch. I believe he broke two tackles or forced two missed tackles uh last season he had a shortened year because of the uh the ncaa thing but he played seven games i think forced two missed tackles ranked near the very bottom of the of college football in in yak per reception so when you kind of add it all up it's to me it's giving tyquan thornton <laughs> not and you never want to give Tyquan Thornton. Yeah. All right, sounds like I caught like his two good plays of the entire day, um, which is going to happen when you're trying to watch all these guys at the same time, I guess. So he's a guy that others are higher on that you're not so high on. Let me ask you about yeah, a guy that I, I I see him in in the late twenties on mock drafts. It just blows your mind. It it blows my mind. It would surprise me if that continues after this after the Senior Bowl because right. I feel like. The evidence is kind of out there if you didn't watch him on tape. 
you know it, right i don't is he is he a drake may merchant like is that part of the reason why he's so high on these boards that people are just seeing a lot of him because they're watching drake well i think he has a skill set that can win at the college level because right okay the dbs aren't as fast so just like running in the four threes um and you know having average to above average hands that can that can get you some explosive plays in college so let me ask you about a guy that you're higher on that i've heard a number of folks tell me this week they are not so high on i was talking to our buddy tron downport the other day or yesterday and and he was telling me he's just he does not see it with this kid you told me that you you actually kind of like him as a prospect brendan rice son of jerry rice um wide receiver out of usc what is it about brendan's game that you think could translate to the next level yeah, I think to me, Brendan Rice has had a bit of a disappointing um, senior bowl. He, I, I thought, showed flashes at USC of uh, some nice route running, but looks pretty clunky to me, uh, moving laterally and kind of a, a DPI merchant, which mm. if if you're trying to draw flags he drew a ton of them yesterday i mean the, in the one-on-ones uh that's that's usually not a great sign for right. receiver and you know my biggest issue with his college tape was ball skills and physicality fighting through contact um and i think that's that's also been an issue i mean he beat uh he beat cam hart on like a kind of circus route in uh in break and then back corner of the end zone and just dropped a wide open touchdown um so yeah i think i had i'll have to check i think i had an early fourth round grade i haven't adjusted any grades yet uh from the senior bowl and they're usually there are you telling me that you've watched years worth of tape on these guys and two practices haven't changed your mind dramatically right yeah no i'm I'm not gonna make any drastic changes uh, based on the senior bowl practice although this is for most of them, the best competition that they've faced. Sure. And um, especially for players that are in like a really specific role in their college team's scheme where maybe they aren't getting the one-on-one matchups and opportunities that you would want to see for um, for evaluation uh, from an evaluation standpoint, uh, it can have an effect. So yeah, I think I have an early fourth on Brendan Rice and I would, I would probably be leaning towards a, a fifth rounder for him. Stoney points out, by the way, circling back to Tez Walker, the Taekwon Thornton was also a second round pick. So, I mean, it, it could happen. Sometimes these guys just fool, fool these GMs and uh, they, uh, they get drafted way too high. We've got a ton of players to get through. So we're just going to keep trucking along. Uh, a, another, a couple more receivers that I want to bring up. Roman Wilson uh, had a, a, a pretty good couple of days. I mean, I, I've heard, I've heard positivity on him, um, on from both practices, wide receiver out of Michigan, um, an interesting evaluation from the standpoint of not the, the, I wouldn't say not the best quarterback play, but di- didn't get a ton of action just because he's on a team that doesn't pass the ball a ton. Um, wh- what are your thoughts on Wilson as a, as a prospect? I spoke to him a little bit after the practice today, seems like uh, a stand up guy, but on the field, what do you see? Yeah, I like Wilson. Um, honestly, I, I like both of the Michigan corners uh, cor- or receivers. Cornelius Johnson was at the Shrine Bowl. I thought he was uh, probably the best receiver there. Um, and Roman Wilson definitely was the best receiver in the first practice. Um, really smooth and controlled out of his breaks. 
excellent ball skills, uh, especially, you know, doesn't have a, a big catch radius or, or anything like that. Um, he's, he's definitely one of these undersized guys that you have to make an exception for, but does a great job adjusting to uh, some of JJ McCarthy's slightly inaccurate passes. JJ McCarthy is the king of a pass that is catchable, but inaccurate. Mm. Um, so many times where just hitting his receivers out of stride, but Roman Wilson uh, didn't have many issues with that. So yeah, I like Roman Wilson. Is McCarthy, um, the kid that you like, you want to, you want to throw like play catch with as a kid when you're like, throw right, it, when just, you're, when you're right, you're throw it just high enough so I can jump up and look awesome yeah, yeah, and moss yeah. somebody. Yep. Yeah. When you're trying to do like uh back corner, uh, corner of the end zone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. He's the guy you need. Yeah, except except he can't throw with touch, so it's going to be. A it's just drive. a laser. Yeah. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Um, but yeah, I like I like Roman Wilson. I saw someone say that he was going to run in the four threes, which uh, would be surprising to me. But um, I think he's there. This receiver class not only is it top heavy, it like not only is it strong at the top, it it's strong throughout. However you want to say it, it's sure. just strong across the board. Um, I'm almost having to keep myself from getting prospect fatigue and being like, man, is there really another receiver with a third round grade or am I, they like, can't all go in the third round. Right. Exactly. I've just got to, I've just got to take the tape for what it is. And I mean, okay. I think that I think Roman Wilson, um, I don't know. I don't know about where he goes. I still think fourth round is probably his most likely destination just sure. because of how uh, stacked this class is. But well, from a in, Titans perspective, they better hope a lot of these guys are available in the fourth because they don't have anybody they can pick in the third. It's not an option. Yeah. Yeah. The Titans, the Titans need to trade down. They need to trade down into the third, but then not trade down anymore because the class kind of dries up. The depth just a through. cliff. Yeah, exactly. Um, you mentioned strong a minute ago, speaking of strong and speaking of big, a uh, big fella that is not hard to miss out here. Johnny Wilson, wide receiver from FSU, um, has had, uh, he had, I know you were watching him on the field today, had a couple of nice reps in team. Um, what do you think about Johnny as a receiver? Why is he not already playing tight end out here at the senior bowl? Is it inevitable that he's going to be a tight end at the next level? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I have him as a tight end on my board. I have him as tight end two. Um, tight end two. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, just is that a function of the tight end class being relatively weak? Yes. Right. Yeah. Uh, I think in a normal class, he, he probably wouldn't be that high, but he's a one of a kind player. Um, have to see. Can't remember exactly what he measured in at, but uh, you know, six, five, six, six. Uh, yeah, he came in, in he came in, I believe, at six, uh, six, six and one eighth. And I think it was around 227 was his weight. So, I mean, in like that weight, I think we, we were all talking about it. He could put another 20 pounds on like if he were to fully convert to a tight end, he puts 20 pounds on like he, I think, has the uh, 237 actually. So a whole six six a whole 10 pounds more 237 he was a guy that i think he he has five 35 inch arms yeah which he is has the, which is the crazy part he has like i saw a, tw uh, a tweet today that said he is what we thought darnell washington could be last year and i think i really like that that he has the huge build but like the the fluid fluidity in his route running ability um i that, would i gotta disagree with that really you think so yeah like, so to me, my comp for Johnny Wilson is Darren Waller to Mike Gusecki. 
Okay. And yeah. Darnell Washington projected as more of that sixth offensive lineman type of tight True. end. True. Like, the thing is, a lot of fans were hoping Darnell could be that receiving talent. It's just this freaky. It's, yeah. Because he, he just, because what, what makes Johnny Wilson so exciting is the fluidity and the movement skills, um, route running ability. And for a receiver, I just, I think he's too big to play receiver because with that frame and you know, he has good quickness for his size, but relative to receivers and other corners, average quickness, it's, it's so easy for corners to get their hands on him at the line of scrimmage. And like, he's not going to be a slot receiver. So yep. I, I worry about him beating press and, you know, similar to Devontae Walker struggles to sink his hips and, and decelerate and doesn't have elite speed over the top. What, he wins with is just being a smooth crafty route runner um having an elite like historic catch radius uh can just pluck the ball out of the air uh doesn't matter how accurate it is but then he just he has uh consistent drop issues really uh every every season of his career has had uh has struggled with drops and do you have him ranked as a prospect over keon coleman his teammate uh, no, I have Keon okay. Coleman just because once you add the element of uncertainty of moving someone to a position, you're probably going to say like they have to add weight. Uh, there's just a lot more unknown and a lot that w- we're projecting him to do that we haven't already seen on tape. He's he's probably the best. I would say the uh, second best run blocking receiver in this class. I think we might be uh, talking about the best one later. Um, but that's matched up against corners. I don't know. I don't know how he's going to hold up against a defensive end. Um, so, you know, he might be a, a receiving threat only type of tight end. And that's, I mean, that that's the, what I wanted to ask you there. Do you think that because as we go along in the draft process, it, it becomes a, a more of a reality that he is going to be that tight end. Do you think his stock falls because that he is, like you said, he is this maybe the second best uh, run blocking um, wide receiver in this class, but a team is going to have to take him on as a project, I think. And, and do you think that really affects his draft stock a- as we move forward here? Yeah, I think when you add the extra step of moving someone, um, you know, moving someone to a new position, I think that does maybe drop them down around. I have them in the third, I have them with a third round grade right now. And, um, I, I even feel like I'm a little bit high on him because the way, honestly, the way that I, what causes me to change my grades most often is when I sit down and do a mock draft and then I'm sitting there drafting for a team that needs this position. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to take this tackle in the third round. And then I'm thinking to myself, ah, I don't, I don't know if I would want to take them in the third round and then I'll end up lowering their grade. Um, and I, I, I had that, that similar thought with Johnny Wilson. Um, I thought he had, I thought he had a couple nice reps in, in practice today though. Really interesting player. I like, I'm excited to see what, uh, what he looks like in the NFL. I just personally hope the Titans, uh, don't take that chance. I'd love to, <laughs> yeah. I'd love to watch it from afar. Right. Uh, uh <laughs> he's definitely like definitely his best rep today, which I, 
just randomly went viral because I didn't understand why people were so crazy about it. The rep where he had maybe his his best rep today was against a Georgia corner. And so that prompted the entire FSU fan base to say, this what will happen if we would have let, we let, let him play. This is what you would have done. You would have get burnt. <laughs> um, but I think that it's an interesting he last thing I'll say on Johnny Wilson is he is a um, interesting prospect as the NFL as a whole really starts to have these guys who play po- positionalist ball. I think for a team that that wants to bring in a player like that who maybe doesn't do what a tight end does, but gets still in that tight end type role and is able to produce. I think he is someone who really could stand out. You want to move on? We, we do have other players to talk about um, and we could sit here for four hours, but uh, we, dinner is something that has to be gotten to here in mobile. So let's keep trucking along. And I promise we'll talk about guys that aren't receivers, but we have one more um, we wanted to mention from today's proceedings, a guy that I think most folks probably haven't heard or thought of a whole lot yet. Marcus Rosemary Jackson, wide receiver out of Georgia. Um, he's a guy that I know you you had us add to the list because you th- saw some things from him today that you liked. But James, what were your thoughts on him as a prospect when you watched his tape? He was uh, he was the last guy that I got to before the senior bowl uh, landed in Mobile with about 10 players left to watch on the roster. Um, but yeah, he was the last guy I watched. And I think he's the best run blocking receiver in this class. He okay. just competes his ass off. Uh, future Jawan Jennings in San Francisco, if you ask me. Mm. Um, kind of, I think kind of limited what he's going to give you as a receiver. You know, he's got, uh, I believe he didn't have a drop last season. Someone can maybe fact check me on that. Um, but you know, kind of an average route runner, I think average speed, but he could be your classic, like wide receiver four, wide receiver three that gives you 500 yards and just blocks his ass off. Okay. Fair enough. Do you have any, any thoughts from him at practice today? Yeah. He's a guy in that, in that class of, I think what we think uh, of that American team that has maybe some more prominent guys like a Xavier, like a, like a Johnny Wilson, like Lad McConkey. He's a guy who really wasn't one of those big name guys like that, that we've been noticing. And he's been easily one of the top three, both days. I think he's shown a lot of good reps today and yesterday. And I think he's a guy that I think will continue um, to watch, not just because of his on field, but an, an all time name, like that is three different weird names, you know? Yes. Name. As Rosemary a last name, Jackson. not even Rosemary, Rosa me. Oh, yeah. It's so weird. As Rosemary someone Jackson. as someone who makes a ton of tables with like players, you hate this stuff, guy because it's such I a hate long name. Have, the hyphenated last name. Yeah, that's why. That's why my ideal Titans mock uh, like off season cut Aziz Al Shire. Right. And bring back Nick Westbrook Akine. Don't bring back Sean Murphy get, Bunting. Yeah. Yep. I uh, brought back Sean Murphy Bunting. That was a mistake. You got to go. Just get the that. shortest names as possible so I can optimize <laughs> the nineteen twenty by ten eighty size that I have to work with. <laughs> Fair that's enough. All I care about. Um, speaking of, uh, guys that have been top performers out here, arguably the, the top performer on the defensive side of the ball. And we spent a lot of today or yesterday's episode talking about him, Quinion Mitchell. If you paid attention at all to anybody's mobile coverage, um, he has been talked about because he is as build cornerback out of Toledo. Tell me everything about Quinion that you've seen on tape. Yeah, so Quinion Mitchell was the guy that I was most excited to watch in Mobile today. Uh, w- watching the practice live, I was just 
keying in on him every single snap. <laughs> right. Um, and yeah, it sucks because the, the team periods, they just run the ball and check it down. So he didn't get much action, but he did. He did get a pass breakup. Um, but, clamps over there. They don't yeah. dare throw his way. The uh, the issue with Quinion Mitchell uh, from a tape perspective heading into this weekend is that he only played eight percent of his snaps in press coverage, almost exclusively off coverage at Toledo. He was elite at that, like one of the best college corners that I've ever seen at breaking on underneath routes. Uh, really good timing, like reaching into the catching window. If you will uh, watch his first pass breakup from the Mac championship game against uh, Miami of Ohio, go Red Hawks. And we've all seen the um, Mac championship this year, obviously. So people know, what as, you're talking about. you know, as everyone knows, but right. you know, he, it's like 40 yards down the field. He's covering this deep post and then just like reaches his hand into the cookie jar. Doesn't barely even makes contact with the receiver um, knocks the ball out. He's got, according to Feldman's freaks list, he's going to run somewhere in the four threes. So, you know, you apply the adjustment, We'll say four, four, four. Sure. Um, but you know, the issue is that there's, there's no cornerback in the NFL. I'm guessing, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that played anywhere close to that number of snaps and press coverage. Like even if you're a team that plays a lot off the line of scrimmage, there are certain situations where you've got to get up and press and, just not knowing if he was comfortable doing that. And like the few reps that he, he did um, play in press didn't really look that comfortable. Um, his, his punch was, I thought poorly timed, just kind of grabbed, turned his hips, hung on uh, with the receiver. Sure. So yeah, I, I, I didn't really know what to expect with that phase of his game, but um, man, he's, he's looked like a stud. He's been, I think definitely the best uh, defensive player here. And he had, in my opinion, the best individual rep uh, of, of the entire two days of practice. He's covering Roman Wilson. I was going to guess that's what it was. On a stop and go. Yep. Um, sinks his hips. Like a Tesla, that guy can restarts. start and stop. I mean, Crazy. Dude, like, you could have just showed me that play, and I would have been like, oh. Okay, Scotty yeah, report, do it on this guy based on this yeah. one rep, and um, you could have just gone. I think based on his Toledo tape, he like he was a, a top he was actually my why would a guy like him play at Toledo? I don't know. I guess he's just a late bloomer. Um maybe. But yeah, I had him as I had him at 33 on my board heading into senior bowl. Um he is to me firmly a first rounder. I think based on where he was gonna go, like he was already gonna go in the first round. Um, I think you could see him go top 16, and mm. I feel like top 20 is not a lock, but uh, definitely a good bet for Quinion Mitchell. Yeah, and I wanted to address some of the comments. Stoney obviously asking if he's a first rounder. You think he's so solid for mm -hmm. first round, maybe a top first of top half of the first round. Yeah, is I mean, he, where's I'm, he on your cornerback board? Is he cornerback two, three in this class? You have easy access to that, real quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, um, some other comments here. Zach asking the real question: Why does Easton's hat not have a logo? It does. It's just the white balance you can't see. It's whited out. It says Adidas on there. It's just a white logo on a white hat. So, so it's I've not got just a weirdo white only hat. I've got right now. I've got Nate Wiggins, Cooper DeGene, Terry and Arnold three. Okay. I'm thinking Quinion Mitchell would be four. Okay. Uh, when I update my board, uh, right now I have Ennis Rakestraw and Kool Aid McKinstry. I would definitely have Quinion over Kool-Aid at this point. Um, Rake Straw, they'll probably have like close to identical grades. But um, yeah, I mean, based on where, you know, there's kind of like 
two or three mock drafts that you could that you need to pay attention to as far as where guys are actually going to go. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah, Dane Brugler, um, DJ had Terry and Arnold, I think, going 12th. Actually, they both had him uh, going 12th in their most recent mocks. Um, so you know, I it would surprise me if he went over Terry and Arnold, right? But yeah, especially man, a team like Philadelphia with um with uh their aging who's quarterbacks the, who's, the, who's the dc like the most obvious guy that i'm missing his name oh oh um uh Dick fangio fangio yeah. like just have him have him play off quarters and break on shit underneath like he's gonna get 10 interceptions as a rookie uh i, I saw another comment a, a while ago asking besides queen on mitchell who is the second best cornerback you've seen out here does a name come to mind or has he just been so standout that the rest of the, like some names that I had written down. Um, so Jarvis Brownlee, Andrew Phillips, okay, those, Max Melton, any of those guys? Right, well, my, uh, I had a list of like 12 winners and sure. my three corners were Quinion Mitchell, Andrew Phillips out of Kentucky, Jarvis Brownlee out of about Louisville. That? Okay. So, uh, yeah. I'm we want to talk about those guys just a little bit. Let's but, do it. Okay. So let's start with, um, let's start with Brownlee. Uh, Jarvis Brownlee Jr. out of Louisville, cornerback. Uh, what have you seen from him this week and, and on tape that you like? Yeah, so he had he had two reps in the one on one drills where he just ran a dig route for a receiver. Um, he undercut this. Uh, I think it was a like a speed out from uh, Jaquan Jackson for uh, Tulane. And then he had another rep on Jaquan Jackson in the seven on seven where he just pressed him into the ground. Uh, Jarvis. So Jarvis Brownlee Jr. is a cornerback out of Louisville, undersized, uh, not exactly sure what his weight is. I know he's he's really short, but he looks kind of like uh, well built for his size um, and just super aggressive, feisty and press coverage comes up, fits the run. Uh, I I watched him six foot one ninety. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's what he's listed at. So, I mean like not terrible size, um, but I, I do know he came in, uh, let's see what he measured at here, uh, here, here. at the senior bowl. Uh, all right. I got it right here. So five, 10 and a half, one eighty three. Okay. So but he's got a, he's got 60th percentile arm length, which for a press corner is good. And like, you see that on his tape, he lines up really close to the receiver He's always underneath them with his leverage and he just jams the shit out of them at the line of scrimmage. Um, I think he's probably, I see him as like a press man slot corner. Uh, so maybe not the best fit for the Titans. I, I don't think you want him playing outside, but he's also one of those players where you watch him on tape and he just has that dog, like, you know, dog factor, yeah, sure. just, he um, that's he was the guy today, I think, out of the corners that was the best corner. And, and it's it's a little surprising considering his consensus big board right now. A guy who's 238. I mean, he was, really? yeah, he was, wow. he's all the way down there at 238 on the consensus big board. But he was showing up in a major way today, especially in, in that second half one-on-ones, uh, getting to watch him right there. Me and Teron just looked at each other and said, this guy, it's glue right now. He was he was all over it. Uh, like you said, with those arms, he was he was not letting anybody get uh separation away from him and, and so he had a really good day and I'll be, I'll be interested to see what he runs uh i saw him get beat over the top a couple times uh yes when i watched him 
Um, and most of the stuff that most of his like good reps today, at least were more underneath, uh, underneath type of stuff. So that'll be big for him. But yeah, I, I like Jarvis, uh, Jarvis Brownlee. And then Andrew Phillips. Yeah, I was going to ask. He was the other. Guy, he was the other guy that I think really stood out today, uh, uh, outside of Quinion. Yeah, no. Andrew Phillips had, I think, uh, two consecutive really good days of practice. He's another undersized guy, 5'10", 191. Um, but he is really fluid in man coverage. He's got some limitations as a run defender. Like he, he projects as probably a slot corner. That's where he played a lot of his snaps at Kentucky. Um, but competitive, I think probably is going to have a difficult time, uh, shedding blocks at the NFL. Uh, I remember him missing a lot of tackles on tape. Um, but just like in coverage, keeping up with receivers down the field, mirroring people at the line of scrimmage. Uh, I think you could make the case that he was the second best corner uh, through these first two practices. Yeah, I would agree with that. Should we move on Melton. to oh, Melton? Melton? Yeah, Melton was another guy, I think, who had a so-and-so day. I think it's just important to mention him. He's a guy that was a wide receiver, converted. Uh, he's one of those types that's converted to a cornerback. He was a guy that I think had an okay day yesterday, but definitely stood out to me. Um, today, I think he has uh, in the inverse to, to those other two guys. He has the speed, but he lacks a little bit in coverage, which is why I think that he, he is a work in progress type of guy. And that's uh, brother to Bo Milton, who many uh, NFL fans will be familiar with. I didn't even make that connection. But yeah, yeah, there, there you go. Rutgers, Sa same guy, um, same family, rather. Uh, we are going to talk about, I'm trying to make sure we've got all our bases covered here. Okay, so we can talk about some big guys now which we've not really talked about at all uh, on this show since being down here. Um, but they, they are here and they are talented. So let's dive into some of them. But first, let me tell you about our wonderful, amazing sponsor here at the Hot Read Podcast, Boomboss Craft Pizza and Tap House. Need to mention them before we get out of here. We love Boomboss. We appreciate them being a part of the reason that we get to be here in Mobile. They've got three locations in the Middle Tennessee area, in Spring Hill, in East Nashville, and in Murfreesboro. Fantastic pizza, fantastic drinks on tap and fantastic viewing situations for all of your sports watching needs, big screens all over the place, a phenomenal sports bar experience that you're going to enjoy. Check it out. Whichever one's nearest to you head on over, say JT and Easton and the hot read podcast sent you, and we would appreciate it. You're not going to regret it. Okay. Let's start with tell them. I sent you say, tell them James Foster sent you who they're not going to know who that is. Um, just to get the look on their face. Okay. Um, let's start with, start with the defensive side of the ball um two three just kidding three defenders i want to talk about um one who i wasn't it wasn't on my to-do list today and then i was listening to our buddies zach and stoney on f words talk about him and i've heard a lot of folks uh in the draft community on twitter talking about him having a really great day they alluded to the fact that you're not so high on this guy devondre sweat defensive lineman out of texas is that People incorrect? Are saying I'm not high on him. People were saying, here's what Zach was saying. He was saying that you, uh -oh. he was saying it on his show on the record that you had made a comment alluding to the fact that maybe some of his advanced stats were largely fluff. Is there any validity to that? What are your thoughts yeah. on Devondre sweat out of tech defensive lineman out of Texas? Well, it's not that they're fluff. It's just, you have to understand the context of them. So like, okay. uh, he ranked second in college football and pass rush win rate. 
to uh, Byron Murphy, his right. teammate. Yep. Um, a lot of those reps, though, you'll see him quickly beat the blocker's hands and then creates an open A gap. And then he just doesn't have the explosiveness and closing speed to finish that rep and get to the quarterback. Okay. So the effect of that is that he's going to get, that's going to get charted as a win, like on PFF. Sure. He's going to get highly graded because they're, they're grading you on how quickly you beat the block. And then you get like a, a 0.5, you know, you can get a certain boost after that for how you finish it. Obviously if you force a fumble, that's going to get the highest grade. Right. So like he grades out really well, but in terms and, and creating pressure is important. Like I'm, you know, I'm the first person who will say that, that pressure, pressure over are, sacks basically. That, yeah. yeah. Uh, not, you know, I think there's one element that pressures are more stable over time than sacks. Yes. Predictive. But then it's also that pressures in their own right add value to your defense because you're forcing bad decisions. You're forcing the quarterback to bail from the bail from the pocket. Um, so it, it's more that he's going to be more of a pressure guy than I think a sack guy just because of the closing speed and, you know, explosiveness really finish uh, a lot of those wins. Um, so you and JJ Watt are in lockstep on PFF being bad and not re representative of players' actual ability. Yeah, that, that's that's that you. Would be, that would be accurate. Gotcha. Um, okay. Yeah, I I agree with everything JJ Watt. Says. <laughs> okay. Um, he was he was good at football. That then that's the only qualification that matters when it comes to evaluating football. But Tavon, but speaking of Tavondre Sweat though, he had a uh, a hell of a day. He did I have thought, a very good day. I thought. Yeah. I thought uh, his first practice, I would have said he was one of the losers uh, okay. from the first practice just like really slow off the ball didn't seem to have any kind of pass rushing plan and uh, i mean I, he had the the one dominant rep against uh bo limmer for arkansas where he just folded him into the ground keep suit um, tough but then had a, had a couple other nice wins there and then he's someone he has in terms of where he's going to go he has a certain floor because you know he's going to be just a block eater uh, as a run defending nose tackle. The one, it's just the debate that I kind of have in my head is just what's his ceiling as a pass rusher. Because um, a lot of times we see these guys who are projected as like they could be a nose tackle that actually pressures the quarterback. Right. And at a certain size, which we don't actually know what that is for Tavondre Sweat because he didn't he declined to do the weigh-in. Oh, I'm sitting here looking for it. That's why I can't yeah. find it. Okay, so we don't um, know. I mean, he's very large. We just don't know exactly how big he is. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's pretty much unmovable um, in the middle of the defense. But, yeah, I think, you know, I'm thinking probably late second would be where he goes. Okay. I definitely have him in the top 40, though. Like, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big Tavondre Sweat guy. Is he D-line two behind his he teammate? Be, he would be D-line three three okay. for me behind uh his teammate byron murphy right. and then um johnny uh johnny newton for illinois okay yeah i actually have uh Tavondre sweat as my 30th overall player okay so, so yeah, a borderline first rounder uh I, a couple of edges i want to get your thoughts on and you said you really want to talk about darius robinson out of missouri an edge player what have you seen from him today he's not somebody that caught my eye but clearly i, I wasn't paying attention because it sounds like he had a good day yeah i would say if he didn't catch well, I, was he like, on the national or American yeah, no, team? I mean, I'm not national or American yeah, team. Do you know the second team? Okay. I watched receivers and quarterbacks yeah. in the second team. So that'd be why that's why. All right. He won every single rep. Okay. Um, 
this dude, I think he's going in the first round. Uh, so, um, Darius Robinson edge rusher out of Missouri has really long arms. I think, uh, close to 35 inches and they're built like tree trunks. He's one of these, uh, if you can look up his, uh, measurements while I'm speaking, just a massive, massive human, um, really refined pass rushing skill set. He had, I think three one-on-one reps today and he won all three of them decisively. Mm. He had a, uh, a club swim, uh, against, uh, Tyler Guyton. He had uh, an inside club against Javon Foster, his teammate at Missouri. And then, uh, a- another swim move through the B gap against Bo Limmer, uh, just really fluid with that arm over, I know uh, I saw uh, DJ really Dar- Daniel Jeremiah release his top 50 yesterday and he had him 30th, which mm. like Darius Robinson's been kind of a consensus fourth rounder. Whoa. And I had him, I had him as like a late second and I thought I was way too high on him. And then now I think I may become way too low on him. It's, <laughs> it's funny. That's, that's the best part about uh draft season right. is that, you can go every single conversation is relative. So you can go from banging the table for someone and like, uh, hyping them up. Mm-hmm. And then if it, it flips to the other side, yep. then it's like, every time you talk about them, you have to defend you this guy. why you're lower. Right. It, that's the same way with Terry and Arnold where like people weren't talking about him early in the year. Cause he was a, a breakout this season, mm-hmm. uh, opposite of Kool-Aid McKinstry. So every time I talked about Terry and Arnold early on, I would be like trying to explain to people like why this is a first round pick. And then I start seeing him in the, like DJ had him fifth overall, which is kind of wild to me. Yeah. So then now, now it's like, I have to, every time I talk about Terry and Arnold, I have to talk about why I'm not as high on him. So, um, yeah, anyways, uh, that's, that's probably what's going to happen with, uh, with Darius Robinson, but he was, I think, definitely through these first two practices he's been the best uh defensive lineman for sure uh it would be between him and quinion mitchell for best defensive player overall and uh wouldn't surprise me if he goes in the first round because he's got the traits he's got uh, a well refined skill set and um yeah that's i mean high praise for a guy who's currently on consensus 99th overall on a big board that's be, not that's not gonna last that that'd be one hell of a rise for this, this this season so i'm interested to see that he's definitely a guy that i'll watch more of uh tomorrow six five two ninety six and you said with the with that arm length i mean the the traits are there right like the keys are there and, and he's putting on one hell of a show today so that i uh, definitely is a guy i think it, it was yeah, it closer to that his, look at his percentiles uh, they, yeah. where he's in the 80th percentile or above in every single size metric for an edge rusher for for the in at 65286 uh 34 and 3 fourths inch arms which is 89th percentile 10 and a half inch hands 88th percentile bigger faster stronger is what the NFL defaults to and if you've got that and you have a pass rushing bag you're not getting out of the top 50 like for sure yeah and for the viewers who cannot see that we're looking at his percentiles the bars they're pretty full they're all they are very full bars there so So yeah a lot of blue and green a lot of blue and green so that is another guy who do you want to move to next Houston um let's go yeah let's go to the uh the guy who I think on the outside edge is one of the guys who may it be the first defensive player off the board uh Latu, which is a hall of fame name right there 
Um, he was a guy that I think stood out in the early session today, especially he was a guy that I think um, outside of maybe, like you said, Robinson, he was a guy out there who I think really had a strong second day, which I think we were definitely expecting. Um, I mean, he was just bull- out there bullying some guys today. Yeah, yesterday he was trying to just win with speed around the edge. Uh, had a lot of one on a lot of one on ones against uh, Talise Fuaga out of Oregon State, and he was just you know mirroring him to the high side pretty easily. But right. he started to do a lot more of uh, trying to win with his hands today, which is you know that's that's his game. He's uh, a solid athlete in terms of movement skills, but not doesn't have this crazy explosiveness off the snap or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, he had his, his sequencing of moves is just masterful. Like he would, uh, his, his go-to move is a cross chop where like you're going across, you know, you're chopping across sure. your body mm-hmm. and, um, he, he set it up. I think it was on Satoa. Le, I know who you're Utah, talking about. I don't know how to say it. I still yep. haven't learned. How I don't to know how to say name. it. Uh, haven't watched him yet. But he was he was impressive today, by the way. But um, had a great little sequence there where he did like cross chop and then cross chop into a swim move and then did like an outside spin. He just kind of it, it was like uh, the the Utah guard was doing everything right from a technique standpoint. He just got beat by a better pass rushing plan. Um, so I was kind of worried about Latu after after the first practice. I thought uh, had had some pretty rough reps, but uh, definitely had a bounce back performance today. And, and he's somebody that's going to, from a NFL evaluation standpoint, the the narrative on him is going to be the medicals, right? Am I understanding correctly that he was medically retired from the game at one point because of a, a back and nerve issue? And then came back when he I've got heard, cleared by a different I've heard doctor. Neck, but yeah, okay, some, something spinal, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. There was a big issue. He wasn't sure if he's ever going to play again. Then he comes back, puts together a really nice season. Um, and do you have any further insight into that, or is that still something that we don't know a whole lot about? Yeah, the medical thing. I think no one's really going to know anything more about that uh, until the combine. Right, and you have to like wait until wait to. Uh, it's God, it's so, it's so weird. <laughs> I've heard NFL people talk about the combine with medical and they're like, yeah, I just got to get my hands on them. Right. So <laughs> yeah. got to poke and prod the get guy their hands on. Them, right. Right. Naturally. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the other thing with lot too, is he has uh, pretty short arms for an edge rusher and you do, you do see that show up on tape when you're, when you're doing these cross chops and like cross face moves, like he does, where you're exposing your chest. If you've got uh, an offensive tackle with quick hands and long arms and they can get into your frame, um, they can kind of shut down reps early and he's not great at, at disengaging and freeing himself. And I felt like when I watched his tape, he faced a lot of not great competition. Um, and then when he, just in terms of, you know, the tackles that he was going up against when he did go up against NFL caliber tackles like Jordan Morgan, uh, Talise Fuaga, the, Jordan uh, Morgan, the tackle, you say, well, you know, yeah, played yeah. tackle in college. Yeah. And then, uh, Jonah Monheim, the tackle for USC, who's not in this class. He was kind of shut out. I think he might've had one win to the inside against <laughs> Fuaga, but, um, it, he, I think did kind of clean up against some bad competition. So, I've I have some concerns about uh Latu. 
you know, luckily the Titans aren't going to be in an, in the market for an edge rusher, but like, it's a, it's a really tough top three for me to, to split. It's going to be a game time decision for me between Dallas Turner, Watu and uh, Jared verse. I have, I have it verse, um, uh, Jared verse, um, Dallas Turner and then Latu as my third right now, uh, just considering the medical thing, but it's pretty close between those three. And as we do this draft talk, we will continue here, but there is some breaking news that Jordan Schultz is reporting. So we can talk about that for the Titans breaking. The Titans are closing in on a deal to hire Ravens DBs coach Denard Wilson as their new DC sources tell bleacher report. Jordan Schultz ends up as somebody is getting their car stolen or something that's lovely wilson has quickly risen up the coaching ladder after helping mold baltimore secondary into one of the best units in football my thoughts on this he had the number one secondary last year for the philadelphia eagles he had the number one secondary this year for the baltimore ravens i think it, it makes definitely a lot of sense for brian callahan as he said in his uh, opening press conference, he loves to learn from what beats him. And as we talked about, the Bengals were one of the teams that just continued to have trouble with the Ravens secondary. So bringing him in, I, I it's gonna next season. I think is a hard sell to see uh, him try to threepeat for best secondary in in the in the league. If he does it with this group, that's gonna that's going to be very interesting. But your thoughts on that? Yeah, my thoughts are, first of all, I saw some folks on the internet today talking about how it seemed like the Titans were having a hard time hiring guys. Um, so that's unfortunate timing for those folks. Yeah, I, I'm honestly surprised the Ravens didn't hire him for because, you know, their D.C. opportunity now. Uh, something they, they've got to fill that job with Mike McDonald going to Seattle. Um, I, I think that it, he's, uh, yeah, Zach saying he heard it was a struggle in all caps. That's what I heard as well that apparently they were really struggling to find guys. Listen, Callahan said explicitly at his press conference that he was in no rush. He was taking his time. He took his time. It's been a week. He made the first hire. I think it's a very good hire. Um, it, it sounds like based on what, what some players have said about him as a coach who have played under him, he's a guy that is similar to Callahan in the sense that his players are really big fans of, of the guy as a teacher and a communicator, which is something that I think is going to be a common theme as you see these guys start to trickle in to the coaching staff. And I think you make the best point of all JT uh, circling back to what Callahan said about wanting to form his teams, his new team's defensive identity around the things that make his life as an offensive coordinator difficult. I think this defensive coordinator hire is the perfect example of that. And it wouldn't shock me if um, we see a, a trend in that regard going forward. James, do you have any opinion on this guy? Do you even know who this guy is? Is this your area of expertise at all? Yeah. Um, so I haven't done a ton of research into like him specifically. Right. And by th that, I mean, I haven't done any. Sure. Right. <laughs> um, Denard Wilson, but blank sheet. On your I computer. do know that the Ravens really their whole defense was kind of playing above the, uh, the sum of their parts. Like they were getting high level play from guys like Arthur Molette, um, and you know, a lot of mid round, uh, defensive backs that were stepping up that was happening all over the defense. Right. So, you know, you never know exactly who to credit for that. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a solid hire. I think um, if he can come in and install the the Mike McDaniel scheme, I mean, that's a win. I, yeah, you know, I didn't have a major issue with, uh, with keeping Shane Bowen as, uh, as defensive coordinator. 
I honestly thought all can't wait for that Paul Karski tweet first thing in the morning. Shane Bowen no longer with the team <laughs> that only Paul knows for some reason. That's going to be great. Yeah, I mean, I I thought you know they were he was a very good like game planner for for a big game or something. Yeah, they would there were it seems like there would be three or four games a year where it's like man they were really like throwing their fastballs like this game, but just the overall execution, uh, especially in the secondary it gets back to the the impossible to answer question of like who do you blame the players or the coach um which i've had enough of for this offseason but you know guys like christian fulton continuing to to make like even outside of him just getting beat one-on-one which isn't on the dc uh him just like cover three letting the one receiver on his side run wide open down the seam uh you know elijah molden a third or fourth year player can't execute like basic quarters coverage stuff just um that kind of stuff i think you could definitely blame on shane bowen right um you know i know a lot of fans uh have issues with the off coverage but i hate to tell you like when you have bad players all of christian yeah well (laughs) that's for one thing like when you got bad corners in there you don't want them playing press like i would much rather sure, exactly than, i would much rather them try to march 10 yards at a time down the field than just give up 80 yard touchdowns right but like even someone like christian fulton who a lot of people really um want to play more press um if you go back and watch all of his best plays from when he was actually good it's him crashing on underneath routes from off coverage like that's his skill set when he was me. actually good as a just um, a brutal indictment yeah so yeah that's the off coverage debate uh, there will be some people that will just never agree on that, but I actually, I actually kind of like off coverage. Um, it's all about, it's all about executing it though. Okay. Um, we let's get back. we got four more prospects that I want to turn through here. Some offensive linemen where we've kind of buried the lead. One could very easily argue the biggest need for this Titans team is in the trenches on the offensive side of the ball. And there are four guys that have stood out in some capacity to JT or I, that we scribbled down that we wanted to get your thoughts on. The first is a name that a lot of people are going to recognize. Taliese Fuaga is that is am I saying that right? Does that sound right to you? Do you have any idea? Talies, Talies. I know it's not that. Okay, so what do you think it is? <laughs> I think it's either it is Fuaga, I think it's right? Either Talisi or Talise. T- I T- think it is Fuaga. Okay, so Fuaga, Talisi, Talise, T Fuaga. He is a, a tackle from OSU, um, Oregon State. That is. Um, what have you seen from him this week, and what what do you think about him on tape? Yeah, he looks uh, really good at uh well so i'll start with what i saw from him on tape uh mauling run blocker just a a huge player i think he's in the 320s or 330s um really not a whole lot of bones to pick with his run blocking i think he's comfortably the best run blocking offensive lineman in this class um i had him as a guard heading into the week and the main issue is that with that is like I felt like on tape when he really got threatened with with edge speed, he would he would give a, a short corner pretty often, and he had this bad habit of punching with his outside hand and just like leaving it out there. Normally, you've got to like if you're gonna throw the outside hand, you've got to bait punch. We were throwing it and then you're pulling it back. You're drawing out the pass rushing move, pulling it back, protecting the outside. He would just kind of throw his outside hand, let the pass rusher swipe it, and then he doesn't have this elite recovery speed to uh, you know, protect the corner. Um, 
so yeah, a lot of his issues dealing with speed rushers, uh, was why I thought he might be a better fit at guard, but it was also, uh, a, a technical issue that he could just kind of fix. And I think he has, uh, based on the, the reps that uh, all the reps that I've seen from him at the senior bowl, um, I come like there aren't any losses that come to mind uh, for me with uh, Talise Fog and Passpro. Okay. So, yeah, he probably he probably won't get uh, a, a grade bump or anything for me because I, I had a high grade on him. He's a top fifteen player for me, but he's definitely getting moved back to tackle and guard is more of a, a worst case scenario uh, destination. See, and now you say Talise Fuaga, and the fact that I said Taliese is, I think think it goes down as the funniest mispronunciation of it, because you're right it's definitely not that my, my funniest that's mispronunciation. My that's you you put that in my brain you did yeah, but I, I ran with it i should have thought better um okay um kenneth in the comments breaking titans news titans hiring dc denard wilson yes in fact they are and if you want our thoughts scroll back about five minutes in the feed you're gonna find it um okay next guy a guy that is i think a, a pretty i don't know maybe this is a step too far. I think he's a bona fide first round pick. Um, I think he's one of the most solid talents I've seen out here in the trenches. Jackson Powers Johnson, interior offensive lineman um, from uh, Oregon? Oregon. Yes. Yep. Okay. From Oregon. Um, he's somebody that you came in here before the show mentioned him. So you were working on a video f- for him before you came here. So he's fresh on your mind. What do you like about JPJ? Yeah, JPJ, uh, I, d- I identified pretty early in the process as my favorite center. Not like I discovered him, just uh, he stood out to me. Right. Um, <laughs> so this is a great guy is, under under the radar. You're going to love him. Yeah, um, this this under the radar guy, Joe Alt. <laughs> right. Um, so he weighed in at the senior bowl at 334 pounds, which would be the heaviest weight for a center. Wait, you in, said 334. Yeah. Wow. In, uh, like combine pro day history, um, not body shaming, but, uh, it's all muscle. I mean, yeah, he, he's a big boy. Big fella. Uh, the fact that he can pull off some of the run blocks, uh, like out in open space that he does at, at 334, and he was listed, I think, in the 320s uh, at Oregon. So, you know, you never know, give or take 10 to 15 pounds with these guys going from a uh, different place, um, especially during the pre-draft process. But, yeah, just a, a huge stopgap in the middle of your offensive line. And he can get out in space and demolish linebackers on on screens, sweeps, toss plays. He's looking to kill. Um only allowed one pressure in all of 2023. I think he had wow. uh, just recorded the video. So at 497 pass blocking snaps, only allowed one pressure, um, led college football centers in literally every stat except for like penalty rate. Um, you know, he's in like the 50s or something. Sure. But, you know, first in all the PFF grades, blown block percentage, pressure rate, didn't allow it, hasn't allowed a sack in his entire college career. He's 21 years old. Um, it really just an extremely clean prospect across the board, except for the fact that at his size, he's not going to have like Tyler Linderbaum zone blocking ability. Sure. He can't, you know, pull off these insane reach blocks like he can. There's certain, uh, athletic like, limitations. Know, yes. Yeah. And, and I would, I would call him an above average athlete for a center, but at the size, at the size, physics, you know, right. he's an elite athlete. Um, Really, my one hang up with uh, Jackson Powers Johnson is that 
Yes, he only allowed one pressure in college, but uh, he didn't really have a lot of difficult assignments. Uh, so the Pac-12 defensive tackles that he faced were pretty weak, and they also didn't give him a lot of one-on-one opportunities. Uh, he had a lot of reps on tape that are going down. They're like getting charted as a pass-blocking snap without a pressure allowed, but it's because he didn't have anyone blocking him because they right. were just attacking the guards because – you know, you're picking your battles, uh, as a game planner. So I, I still, even though the metrics were great and it's hard to really find any, any losses on his tape, I still wanted to see more like decisive wins one-on-one against good competition. And he didn't lose a single, he hasn't lost a single rep in two days. Uh, there have been like, there have been, uh, late wins, you know, there, there have been sure. some times where he might like, uh, open up a lane and then recover, but, dude, he's been rock solid and his, the most impressive, uh, thing about it. Like I knew he could anchor. I knew he had a a firm initial punch and all of that. What's been most impressive is his ability to recover laterally. Um, there have been multiple reps where like he gives the rushing lane early. They might get him with like a a quick cross face move. Mm -hmm. And, um, you can hear the other defensive linemen, make like making noises like ooh and then he sticks you know he's playing with independent hands so he sticks back the inside hand recovers slides over puts him into the ground and then it gets quiet um (laughs) and like he's he's winning in all he's winning he's got wins in every single um situation that you can imagine michael hall uh jr for ohio state is a really quick one of the quickest defensive tackles in this class he was mirroring his spin move um you know had some some great anchor reps plays with independent hands like just he 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 showed that he can do it all uh in pass pro did it at center and at guard which uh you know i wasn't even on my mind uh uh potential position switch but looking back at it he did play right guard um to finish the season last last year in 2022 Mm -hmm. Uh, so he's got experience there looked great at at both positions i think um you know i already had a first round grade on him so like i'm not uh raising his grade uh at all but yeah man is he the biggest like you can go home candidate that's here right now like yeah. I don't think there's anything else for him to prove. He 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 could pack it up today and he'd be a okay. Yeah, his one his one negative is just uh, snapping the ball. Um, right. You saw that later in the season. Uh, USC, Arizona State, and uh, Oregon State. He had some bad snaps, and then there was a, a bad snap that I saw in the uh, seven on sevens. Uh, so might want to move him to guard just to avoid that. But he's also sure. new to center, so uh, give him some. Give him some cushion there. Uh, a listener request from a buddy, Stoney. He asked uh, if you have any opinions on Ethan Driscoll. Is he somebody that? Yeah, uh, he needs to learn how to play uh, basketball. Okay. All right. Well, that's, too, but honestly, that... like, I think he's, uh, I think he's too tall to play tackle. Was he like he six, just, eight? What is he? Yeah. Six, eight. Oh, actually. Okay. All he right. just gets like long armed uh, to death. Okay. Fair enough. Last guy that we have to mention here, and then we will finally get out of here. Somebody that you came in here and said, I want to talk about this guy, Christian Haynes, Connecticut. Is that where he's from? You said, uh, interior offensive lineman tackle. Yep. Right guard, right guard. Okay. What, what is it about Christian Haynes that begs to be mentioned on the show today? Yeah, I think Christian Haynes outside of, um, Jackson powers. Johnson was, 
across these two practices, the, the second best offensive lineman. Okay. And I've, I've been a huge fan of his tape since last year. He was a guy every year. There's a few people that I watch, uh, leading up to the declaration date. And then they end up coming back to school. So I watched him and liked him last year, mm -hmm. uh, thought he would declare for the draft. He ends up coming back to UConn. Um, I think UConn football has this rule where they can only have one good player at a time. Naturally. Like, yeah. It's it, an it, Ivy it's league like rule. Travis, you gotta have like one Travis Jones. Mm -hmm. You're just, I mean, with Christian Haynes, you know, you're watching them and they're down like 35 to three to FIU. <laughs> and he's just like pancaking dudes on outside zone. It's like, yeah. why are you still running outside zone? Right. <laughs> right. Quarter, man. Um, but no, he is, I think the best uh, day one, best zone blocking, definitely interior lineman, but maybe lineman overall. Like I think you plug him into an outside zone scheme today and he's a high level run blocker, just understands everything about it. Obviously like he has the movement skills, but um, understands angles, hand placement. He could pull off a reach block in his sleep. Um, he has the perfect build for a guard, which is short, big, and with long arms. Mm. Um, I think almost 34 inch arms, 33 and something sure. is what he measured in at. And, um, you know, I think what he's shown the most improvement, uh, in from last year is just hand usage and pass pro, um, pretty much he's another player that I, I can't think of any losses off the top of my head. Um, from watching the tape uh, in, in senior bowl um, does a good job playing with independent hands. He had uh, an outstanding rep against Jordan Jefferson for LSU where he tried to bull rush him. He dropped his anchor bull rush went nowhere. And then uh, Jefferson got angry and like ripped off his helmet. Oh, that was that guy. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And I think uh, my guy, uh, uh, Damian Parson at a uh, locked on, he was on the field. He said that Christian Haynes yelled at him. If you're scared, go to church or something. That's great. Um, that is great. So yeah, I'm a okay. big fan of Christian Haynes. Uh, he's one of those guys where when I like go through and update my grades, I have to like hold myself back from, from raising his, like I'm raising his grade every time. Being on, yeah, and just like, constantly wanting to move him up. Cause what I'll do is, is I'll, I'll do my grades and then I'll go through and like, look at three or four players and I'll be like, okay, is this guy better than this guy? Mm -hmm. And then I'll, I'll kind of stack it that way sure. with Christian Haynes. I I'm comparing him to everyone else. I'm like, all right, now he's better than him. I like him better than like, so when does it stop? When yeah, does it stop? And, exactly. Uh, at this rate, he will be my number one overall player wow. by draft day. I can't wait. Well, that is all the names we have listed today, and we have taken up plenty of your time, and uh, I think that we can call it a wrap for today. Thank you for joining us and giving us so much really valuable insight. It is genuinely one of my favorite things. It's a treat to have you on the show. Um, you've got a ton of content coming out for the next three months that people need to check out on A to Z film room on YouTube. But what's something in the near future that they can look forward to? Yeah, I've got a uh, Jackson powers Johnson video that I just uploaded and uh, we'll see when the uh, social guys end up posting that. Okay. So uh, next couple days soonish. Sure. I'm going to do Quinion Mitchell tomorrow. And then Friday, I'm going to do my uh, risers and fallers, winners, losers uh, from the Senior Bowl. Okay. Um, and then we'll see if anyone else uh, sticks out. And then, yeah, uh, A to Z Film Room uh, on YouTube uh, got basically from now until draft season. I'll be doing four scouting reports uh, a week, and we'll see how many I can stack up. Uh, 
by draft day. Well, it's great work, and it's it's a phenomenal resource for anybody in the Nashville area or just anybody that is interested in the draft um, for for your draft content, as well as your big board that's live already on A to Z um, Sports.com, where you can, I think, do all of the customization classification things you can yep got uh if you go to no flags film on twitter okay. it's my pin tweet there you go um and it's like on uh on websites there's like a, a a limit to how wide it can be but there's a full view uh button that you can click and it, it pulls up like the whole table that like for uh if you're looking at it on a computer but it's got a consensus board uh, you click on the rows, you got the full scouting reports, got percentiles for all the athletic testing, player comps, recruiting information, all that good stuff. All right. Well, hey, if you're not following us on social media, do us a favor and do that at Hot Read Pod on TikTok, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow us on Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. Hit subscribe. It's very helpful to us if you can do that. And uh, thank you to James for being here. Thank you to JT, as always, for being here. Thank you to you all for tuning in with us live this evening. Uh, we're going to get some dinner or do something other than to think about football, which has been nothing um, but football today. So we'll be back uh, here in Mobile tomorrow for our last show on this feed with our buddies Zach and Stoney. Uh, we'll be doing, I don't know what we're going to talk about. These these players, we may do some Ethan Driscoll, Ethan Driscoll for an hour. So check out the Driscoll content. Uh, we're going to talk about whether he should or should not move on to basketball. Until then, for James and for JT, I'm your host, Houston Freeze. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace out.